And if you could turn with me back to Genesis chapter 4. And we'll be looking at verses 17 through to the end. So you look at society today. What do you see? Well, there are, of course, many good things. Certainly in the UK, we have free healthcare. In emergency, we know that we will receive help. At the same time, we have a, a justice system that on the whole seems to work. In other words, those that have responsibility for justice are not open to bribes. On the whole, that is true. We have something that works. At the same time, we also have our children who are attending schools that have good education. Certainly far better than I had when I was their age. There are many things that are good in our society. And yet, is society itself improving? Are we becoming better at loving one another? Are we doing better at fighting for justice as a society? For those who are oppressed? I think you may know the answer to that. Because the truth is we do see wickedness growing. Or at least shifting focus. Do I need to tell you about the great increase there is in fraud and burglary? And I know some of you have been affected by this. Indeed, there's so much fraud and burglary that the police are just simply not able to help. And there is concern about that. At the same time, there is violence increasing. Violent crime is definitely still on up. Yet another 16-year-old boy was stabbed just recently. Was it yesterday? And our hearts are so sad for this. Indeed, domestic abuse is continuing to rise. Uh, to rise, it is a problem. Is society getting better? Is society coping better? No. We are continuing that downward spiral. Indeed, our society wants to live a good life. And you hear that, don't you? I want to do good. I want to do the right thing. And yet, they've thrown away, if I can put it like this, the good book. They want to live a good life, but they've thrown away the good book. They've thrown away God's word and trying to live without it. On top of all this, we hear people say things like, well, we have all that we really need. We don't need God. I'm fine, thank you very much. And when we do uh, speak out as Christians, we're often marginalised. Because our society says... That you can believe whatever you want to believe. Just don't tell anyone else they're wrong. Because if you do, well, you're the one who's wrong. You've got to stay silent. And if we speak out as Christians, we are marginalised. That is just a snapshot, surely, of what our society is like. Good things, yes. Things that we rely on. But on the whole we can see it is a godless society that you and me are living in. For all our rich history in the UK, we are still very much a secular society. But how do we make sense of all of this? 
What is our hope in our secular age? Indeed, is there hope in this secular age? Well, I want to have a look at these verses. Genesis chapter 4. And this passage really shows us where the secular society all started. And what the author does is really clever because he wants us to simply have a snapshot of a few key figures right there in the beginning. But as he does so, he's showing us what to expect in our world today. Centuries, thousands of years later, he is saying that this passage is still just as relevant for you and me today. Because this passage answers that question, is there hope in this secular age? And so I want us to see, just very briefly today, that God's people know hope despite living in the midst of a godless society. That is what I want us simply to try to unpack today. Now, first of all, let's have a look then as we examine this secular age. Well, what do you notice when you looked at those verses, particularly verses 17 through to 24? Did you notice something missing? Have a look again. See if you can spot what it is. Or shall I say, someone is missing. Where's God in the midst of this world? You see, God is not mentioned at all. There's no mention of him in this passage. So here is a world, therefore, that has no time for God. At least for the God who revealed himself to Adam and Eve. They have no time for him. And they are rejecting him. Cain, you may remember, murdered his his brother in cold blood tried to conceal his body and then lied to God. And in consequence, uh, God passed sentence on him that he would be a restless wanderer. And so Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and lived without God. But that attitude of rebelling against God continues throughout the whole of that section. Because not only did Cain live without the Lord, So did his children and his children's children. They continued to pretend as if there was no living God. Certainly in practice, that is certainly true. You see, they had no time for God. And on the surface, all seems to be going well, doesn't it? After all, look what happened to Cain, verse 17. He had a son and he did what we all want to do. Uh, if that, that comes, that he wants to settle down. Now, Cain is a restless wanderer. He's living in the land of wandering. That's what nod means, living in the land of wandering. And yet, he wants to settle down. So in defiance to God, he does just that. He builds a city. Or, to use the correct tense, he becomes a builder of a city. And he builds a city. Now, don't think of London or Paris, you know, a big, thriving city. Uh, In the original word, it it would have meant something like a walled settlement. But nevertheless, here is a place that he wants to call his own, a place where there is security, 
and a place where others can come and live with him. He was a man who desires community and security. And yet he does this in defiance of God. And that defiance is shown even more as he names the city after his son. Here is a man who wants to have a legacy. It's his son. And again, we see that in our age. We build things. And we no longer put a title on the building to the glory of God. You sometimes see that on old town halls and things. Built to the glory of God. No longer. Buildings are built to the glory of man. Look what we can do. We have the ability. We have the capability of doing anything we want to do. We can do it. We will do it for our glory. Forget God. God doesn't even come into the picture. Surely that is our society today, is it not? There are no thunderbolts from heaven at this lifestyle. There is no massive ground opening up in judgment. No, on the surface they seem to be doing very well, thank you very much. But our age as well, in their rejection of God, on the surface all seems to be well, doesn't it? No thunderbolts fall from heaven for rejecting God. Everything seems to be I did it my way. Isn't that very much the anthem of today? We do it without God. We don't need God, thank you very much. I can do it my way. I won't start singing to you, don't worry. But I will, I will share this poem with you. This poem was written by uh, Ernest Hemingway. Uh, you probably have heard it, Invictus. And as I read it to you, it really does sum up our self-sufficient age. An age without God. And as I read it to you, I want you to notice all of the biblical language that is mentioned, but it's twisted and it's distorted. Listen to this. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winched winced or cried aloud under the clubbings of chance my head is bloody but unbowed beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid it matters not how straight the gate how charged with punishments the scroll I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Invictus. Is that not what our age lives for? I can do it. I have the strength. It's all about what I can do. But it's a secular age. It's not looking to God. Do you remember how this passage starts? How chapter 4 starts? Just turn back if you've forgotten. Very first verse. With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a child. Okay, it was brought forth with the help of the Lord. How far that society has gone. And our society still 
does not want to be warned about their rejection of the living God. They don't want to be warned about the, quote, the punishments that the scroll mentions, i.e. the Bible, of hell. They don't want to hear about this. We just want to be, do what we want to do. But can you really, can you really live on your own without God? Well, the rest of the passage really does answer that question. Well, let us see, because we see also in this secular society, pioneering advances. Notice how the text lingers on Lamach's children. And we see that his children were pioneers. Seems almost unfair, doesn't it? There's such a, a violent man. Thank you. That's okay. Christian Barnard, here is a man who uh, pioneered heart surgery, yet he hated God. And we see this, do we not, all around us? People who do great things, yet have no time for God. And we are to expect that and recognise that that happens. And yet, at the same time, with all these advances, do we see advances in good behaviour? Do we see good advances in kindness and justice? Again, you know the answer to that. You see, all of the advances we may have in the medical field, in the technology field, in the farming side of things, actually will not make us better people. They just simply make us better at what we already are. And that's the truth of it, isn't it? Because this passage goes on to say that not only do we see a growth in in advances, we also see a growth in wickedness. We've already seen how Cain's jealousy led to murder. Yet look at how great how Cain's great 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 grandchild Lamech did. Look what he did. He takes two wives. Two wives. Now, no comment is made by the narrator, but he deliberately goes against God's plan in Genesis 2, does it not? One man, one woman for life. That was how God designed us. That was how marriage should be. And yet, straight away, we have that cornerstone of society crumbling right there at the beginning. And that continues to crumble to this day. Think of how Abraham and others took for themselves other wives. And But the Bible is, is very clear. They certainly didn't have peaceful family lives because it was far from God's ideal. And so wickedness grows. And our society today continues to walk away from God's word at its peril. We see this in our age with gender, do we not? We know what the Bible says. And yet we deliberately walk away. And yet now there is even those who are not Christians who are saying that, hang on a minute, this isn't right. There's going to be long-term consequences to this. But that is the consequence of walking away from God's word. And this wickedness continues. Look at verses 23 to 24. In contrast to the beautiful words that Adam said to his wife, the bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, beautiful love poem. How does Lamech 
serenade his wives. You notice the irony here, because that's exactly um, what the author wants us to understand. Let me read it to you now. Lamech said to his wives, Adar and Zillah, listen to me, wives of Lamech, you privileged people, you know, <laughs> hear my words. I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech, 77 times. Lamech is proud that he's killed a man. Really proud. He's showing everyone, look how, how I'm not a man not to be messed with. You come after me, I will make sure that I'll put an end to you. That's his hard man talk. That's what he's saying here. It's hard man talk. Look at me. And indeed, look how much he thinks of himself. Because he's saying, if Cain is avenged seven times, well, if anyone hurts me, I'll be avenged 77 times. Get you back 77 times for what you've done. You see the, the arrogance here, the pride. And, and our society celebrates wickedness. Does it not so often? That's what our age is like. It's a godless world we live in. But even here, does not these words just start to make us want more? Would you rather have Lamech's words, avenge me 77 times, or Jesus' words? How many times shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? No. You've got it, haven't you? 77 times. Deliberate quotation there. Deliberately. Um, showing us how God's word fits together. But there's another thing as well, because do you remember how he said, I've killed a man for wounding me? And those words are again echoed later on in the law that says, an eye for a knife, a tooth for a tooth. You know, in other words, we're not to take revenge, but leave room for justice. Don't go beyond that. That's what he did. And the law was put in place to stop that happening. But this society is rotting. And so let's answer that question then. Is there hope in a secular rage? And we have to say, no, there's not. If you're living in this secular rage for this secular rage, then there is no hope. Things are only going to get worse and worse. And there will come a point when you realise that all the promises that this society makes to you will not satisfy, will not give you peace, will not give you joy. No, there is no hope in this secular age. But is there hope? Well, of course there is. Because this passage ends on that note of hope. So while there may not be hope in the secular age, we can have hope in a secular age. Because we can have hope in the midst of it. With all this rot around us, we know that God is still at work. Have a look at verses 25 and 26. Adam was intimate with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has given me another offspring, another seed, in the place of Abel, since Cain killed him. A son was born to Seth also, and he 
named him Enosh. You see, behind all of this godless society, God was still at work. And there is our hope, is it not? While the passage goes on to speak about how society is growing, God's people are also growing. And God has not forgotten his promises. Yes, there will be great conflict. We saw this in Genesis chapter 3 between the woman's seed and the serpent's seed. The serpent's seed is whoever um, takes his desires for themselves. So Cain is essentially um, Satan's seed. And that conflict was encapsulated in chapter 4. And that conflict has continued. But here today, we can have hope that God is continuing to raise a seed, raise an offspring. Indeed, what has happened? Well, you follow the scriptures through and you come eventually to Matthew chapter 1. And you will see one who came from Abraham. And Abraham led all the way to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ ultimately defeated Satan at the cross. You see, here today we can have hope, not because of anything in us, but because of God's love in Christ. This is why we keep mentioning that little phrase, in Christ. Because in Christ we have all that we need. In Christ, Jesus, he came to destroy the works of the evil one. He came that we may know peace, that we may know life to the full. Peace, peace in this troubled world of sin. Yes, there is. When we put our trust in Jesus, the one who was promised. And so this passage is leading us forward that there are godly people who are growing in number. They may be small, they may be marginalised, they may be laughed at by the world, but still they are growing. And we here today, who are trusting in the seed who has come, Jesus Christ, and who will one day come again, we too are still living in this godless age. But here's the encouragement, you and me are still kept. We are still able to honour him in this world. What's it that Jesus goes on to say? You are the light of the world. Now we often think that Jesus is the light of the world. Of course he is. But if we trust in Jesus, Jesus lives within us, and therefore we too are lights in a dark world. And we are to make that light shine. Indeed, he goes on to say that we are to be salt in this society. Salt, what does it do? It preserves things. And so there is an element where as we live in this difficult world, we are preserving this society. We are saying, look, for all the rot in this world, there is something good at work because God is at work. The triune God is very active in this world. And therefore, you and me can have hope here today. But there's another reason that we can have hope. And it's there in the very last verse. At that time, God, sorry, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Things had become so bad. 
And yet people have now started to cry out to God. And that word, to call, can mean worship him. So here we're talking about people that have started to seek the Lord in the midst of this troubled world. Things are getting bad. And even non-Christians are asking the question, what is going on in this world? Why? There is violence, there is fear, there is bloodshed. We want more. And they start to say, well, we want more of hope. We want more of peace. Just in case you misunderstood me there. We want peace. And it's in Jesus that we can have that. Because there are times when God does stir this age of ours, stirs this world to seek the truth. Just a few examples. There are times in history where God broke, think of the, broke through, think of the Great Reformation, where people like William Tyndale and Martin Luther sought to bring people back to the word. While there was great darkness, we even call it the Dark Ages, the Reformation brought light. Now, it wasn't just the Renaissance. It was the Reformation. Come back to the Bible. Come back to the font. Come back to the sources of life. Go back and see what the scriptures are actually saying. And God mightily used that. And many people across the world were touched by God and began to call on the name of the Lord again. Praise God for that. Happened again in the time of the Puritan movement when people like Thomas Watson and John Bunyan again opened up the Bible to show us how we should truly live our lives as people trusting in Jesus. And God greatly blessed them and used them. Think of the Great Awakening when George Whitfield and, Wes and uh, John Wesley went out onto the streets. They were barred from preaching in the churches, but they preached out on the streets. And God used that mightily and again brought people back to the truth of God's word. Isn't that what we want for our society? Think of the Welsh Revival, 1904, 1905. Darkness. And yet God broke in. And many, many people came to know Christ. I've told you before about William Nicholson, uh, a man who was greatly used by God. Uh, God blessed his ministry. And in the dockyard, they even built a shed to his honour. Why? It was called the W.P. Nicholson Shed because through his preaching, God used to bring lots of people back to Christ, uh, to know him. And as they came to know Christ, they returned all the tools that they had stolen. So much so they had so many tools, they had nowhere to put them. So they built a shed to put them all in. So amazing. That's God breaking in. And this passage here, right in the darkness of that society, says people began to call on the name of the Lord. People began to seek him. Isn't that our prayer today for this godless society? God, will you not have mercy on our age? Use us. Restore us. Start that work of grace in us. May the Lord help us as we continue to reflect on these great truths. Let us pray.
Father, we recognize that there is great darkness in our age. There is great sorrow. And yet, Father, we have good news to share. And Father, help us to do that, recognizing that whatever we face, that you are in control and that you are sovereign. Will you not, in our time, awaken the lost around us? Will you not revive the church that bears your name? Please, Father, we pray for all the troubles in Ukraine and, and other parts of the world. Lord, may the gospel break forth clearly there. Thank you for what you are already doing in Ukraine through the churches there. And ask, Lord, that we would see that replicated throughout all our, uh, throughout the world. Father, hear our prayers. May we be a witness for you. May we be light in a dark world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.